My name's Adele Onyango and welcome to another episode of Legally Clueless. No, seriously, I have no clue what I'm doing, but I'm pretty sure I'm not the only one. Hey you, welcome to another episode of Legally Clueless Podcast. If you're an OG member, thank you so much for rocking with the podcast. You know, I've got nothing but love for you. And if this is your first time listening to the podcast, welcome to the family. Audio episodes like this got every single Monday. You can stream this podcast everywhere you find podcasts on, literally. And make sure you join our official family by signing up on our website. That's LegallyCluelessAfrica.com. So you can get our newsletters, know of our events and workshops and good things that are on the way. And while you're there, you can watch our four seasons of our video series as well as our tour series as well. I hope you're excited as I am for this episode because finally part two of Angela's story is here. This is what is coming up. So we had a, a mini argument. I guess I, I gave him my truths, not packaged in the right way. I'm, I think I'm mature enough to say, yeah, I could have packaged them better. And I can understand why he didn't want to talk to me. We didn't end up speaking for three weeks. He wasn't picking up my call. I was like, oh, cool. In that three weeks, I then now really started to think, if we're supposed to get married this year, and that's the kind of conversations we're having, we're going to do introductions with parents. Mm. If we're fighting and you're cutting me off, what are you going to do when we live together? You know, those questions started to ask. Then I was like, what do I want? What does Angela want for herself? And I think maybe this is when I ask myself, what does the future look? Before we go to that, let's jump into song of the week. Ooh, y'all, I am so excited to share this with you because this doesn't happen often where I will stumble on a new artist, stumble on their most recent album, and then play the entire album endlessly. But that's what's happened with this guy. Funnily enough, because he sings in French, I have little to no idea. <laughs> of what exactly he's singing about but it sounds so good so i stumbled on him on the colors page on tiktok that i love for discovering new music and his name is yummy and the song i want you to check out is beckane but honestly the entire album that's called eloi is wonderful what it's so good it's so good it just ah it washes over you it's exactly what i always define yummy music as it sounds like that feeling when you're rubbing sheer butter on your skin you know what i mean so i put links to beckoning in the show notes make sure you check it out and while you're doing that listen to the entire album i think it's awesome before we get into 100 african stories i just want to share a reminder that i was reminded of this week so many reminders anyway there is so much love around you I remember when I was doing boundary work in therapy, which was most of last year, I ended up together with my therapist re-evaluating all of the relationships I had, all of them. And that included friendships, relationships with family, clients, relationships at work, relationships with employees, like all the relationships, relationships with business partners, all of them. And we went through them one by one by one. I realized that, especially in reevaluating the personal relationships, so friendships, etc., relationships with family, etc., I had settled for those types of relationships the way they looked like because a part of me didn't think I deserved the type of relationships I wanted. I didn't even think they existed, you know? And so I'd settle for whatever friendships would come my way, even though I didn't feel like I was really being seen. I didn't feel like they were the idea or definition of friendship I had in my head or the way I wanted friends and friendships to look like. I didn't think I deserved those type of relationships, so I settled and I didn't think they existed. But the reminder is there is so much love around you just waiting for you to see it. And not just love, but a love that will be communicated to you exactly how you want it to be. Honestly, the period in my life that I was going through my divorce had a lot of negatives. But the positives are it really showed me where that love around me truly was. Divorces can be quite polarizing. One day I will do the divorce episode <laughs> and it's going to be dope. But I remember during that period, my best friend would skive walk to house hunt with me. 
now we can say it. <laughs> now we can openly say it because she doesn't work at that company anymore. But now we can openly say it. Or sometimes when I was traveling, she would actually go in house hunt for me because I was like in and out of the country doing a lot of work at the time and things still needed to move. So she would Skype work, house hunt for me, probably video call me or take videos for me. And the friendship is exactly the type of friendship I want, especially when it comes to being seen. I think she truly sees me so much so I would trust her judgment when she would say the place is not bad, but I don't think it's the one you would like. Every time she said that she was spot on, you know, and I just when I was reminded this week about how much love there is around me, I remember that particular period in my life and how she showed up for me. And I was like, wow, I never thought I would experience such such a friendship, you know, and this week and weekend, I have experienced love in such wonderful ways from people around me, a selfless love and a love that really sees me for me, a love that I never thought I would experience, be it in an intimate fashion or in a friendship fashion. And man, this week, I felt it. I really felt all of them, all, all of them. And so I jotted down a note that I would come and remind you of that, especially if you're in a period in your life where you feel like the relationships around you, intimate or not, aren't really seeing you. If you're feeling like you've settled, maybe you don't think too highly of yourself, etc. This is your reminder that you can walk away from the spaces that don't see you, the spaces that are uncomfortable. It's okay. Walk away and you don't have to be scared like I was that you would never find love, you know, in whatever format, because it's not only intimate love, love in whatever whatever format imagine you will <laughs> you really will there is so much love around you do not settle and you are so deserving of exactly the love you want and exactly how you want it to show up for you or how you want it communicated to you this is your reminder <laughs> i'm excited to share part two of angela's story part one is in episode 247 but here's a snippet from it my first year of school, not the greatest. I had to leave. I was bullied, unfortunately, by a Caribbean girl, which is weird to me because we're both black. She made me realize I'm African because I was like, we're both black. Why are you bullying me? She one day cornered me and was shouting at me. I like to call myself a porcupine. So I just put my spikes out, but I won't fight. I'm just not going to shout, argue with you. So I just let her do. And I think that the fact that I wasn't reacting or wanting to beat her or wanting to shout at her maybe made her more angry. If you have not listened to part one, I suggest you do or else you will be floating in part two. Part one ended with Angela moving to another town in the UK. She started a marketing job that she suspects was really a pyramid scheme. It was like door-to-door -door sales in winter. It just really wasn't the space for her. She wasn't enjoying it. She was very down and she then decided to quit and move back to her parents' home and start afresh again. A hundred African stories on Legally Clueless. Stories from Africa. So when I moved back, my parents at the time lived at an apartment. I remember just getting a cup of tea and just looking at the window. I'm like, oh, but I have nothing. I have no job, no money. Well, bet. I mean, I have the money that I have from my last job. I didn't. Did I even quit in my cell? I don't know if I quit. But they were so used to people not coming back. <laughs> I was like, so I don't think I officially quit. So the beauty, I will say, the, the, the one thing that I miss about abroad is that there is no judgment of any job that you do. No one's judging you if you work at Java. No one's judging you if you're cleaning. No one's judging you if you're a receptionist. No one cares, to be honest. It's none of my business. So I just registered at um, an agency for um, like receptionist jobs and all that. So I registered. It takes a while because they have to do the, like how we do like a criminal records and all that. They have to check all that. So once I, I think it was maybe, I would say within a month, I would now get like go and work here for covered like maternity leave, those kind of jobs. I don't know what was the first job, but I can tell you the one I remember. They put me in a detention center. It was great because it was like 
20 minutes drive from work. So I was like, no long drives, not much petrol that I'm spending with my nice Kablue Toyota. And yeah, so this environment, if anyone's worked in prison, they will know. You're not allowed. I don't know how it is here, but like they're, they're super strict. So had to leave my phone at the gate. So you have no access to the world until you leave to go get your phone. If it's lunchtime, what have you, and you want to go to your car to thingy. Because the detention center, you've got to remember, is obviously in a withdrawn environment. There's no shops nearby. You know what I mean? But it was on a roadside. So um, if I felt like I really want to change it, I could have driven to like a McDonald's. But it was... It was very withdrawn kind of environment. The detention center had where my office is had no windows. All right. So it's just brick walls. Okay. You get out. It's high ceiling walls. It's, it's a prison. So, to, and it was a high detention center. So the kind of uh, people that are in that detention center are people who are not from England, but they've done high crimes. They have to do their crime there, then get shipped back to whatever country they're from. It was an interesting experience because sometimes they'd have like, like in the summer they would do like festivals, but where the the lunch is, the the men, you know, because there was men and they see a woman, they're so excited. Oh my God, it was, it was an interesting environment. I worked with men. I was the only woman and I re- I actually really liked it. it. It was, I must, I need to stress this to anyone who's listening. If you're comfortable in life, you need to do something to change. Because you can you can find yourself just plateauing. I really lo- I was really comfortable. The reason why I left is our boss was from the army, and I think at home he wasn't the boss, but at work he wanted to make sure he's the boss. I have a rule: if I have not seen it from my dad, I will not expect it from anyone. Same with my mom. So one day I don't know what went wrong, and he just I've never been sworn at in that manner by a boss in that manner he started swearing at me I was like let me tell you something <laughs> you can't talk to me like that not gonna talk to me like that you can actually explain to me what I've done wrong without cussing me and talking to me in a degrading fashion I walked out went out is a process because there's so many doors you know when you're angry you just want to start you want to slam the door but there's there's none of that so it's like buzz and then get out so anyway so we <laughs> so I get out I called the agency I said I'm going away I'm not coming back here all right this is what happened I don't appreciate how he spoke to me I am not I don't care what he tells you guys this is how they told me xxx and I was crying and I was so upset so they're like, okay, are you going to be okay to go? I said, yeah, I'll finish my work. But I just want to say when I go, like on holiday, you figure out who's replacing and make sure that they're replaced. So there was a guy called Gary and Gary was the sweetest. He was like, I totally get it, Angela. And they were like waiting to retire. So they were just tolerating him. The next day, huh? have you seen our old guy? And I have to say they're old white guy like in his 50s and 60s literally crumbling down at the apology I was like thank you for your apology but I'm not coming back he's like no no no, I'm so sorry for I said yeah but I'm just gonna say never ever ever talk to anyone in that manner it's not it's not nice and I really love that job but I'm glad that happened because then takes me to my next chapter of teaching so where I lived there was a college and they were looking for uh, someone to come and do, I can't remember what job it was, but not admin per se, but a department. They were looking for someone for a department to fill in while they figure it out. Would you want to do it? I'm like, yeah, cool. Don't mind. I don't have to drive. I just walk. It's like 10 minutes. I'm saving on money. <laughs> All good. That's cool. So, yeah, so I started working. I really liked them. They were really cool. It was a very relaxed environment. There was air. There was windows. <laughs> there was access to my phone. But it was like, actually, I didn't mind not. I didn't mind that thing of giving away your phone. I knew I was in the most detention center. You're in the most secure, you know. Um, I, I learned a lot in that experience. But I And shout out to anyone who works in that kind of environment. 
I hope that you have someone where or an outlet because it's it's very barricading in terms of emotion and mental capacity. So the environment for the college was super cool. I was like, yeah, I think I'll thrive here. At the time, I wasn't thinking about teaching, but I was thinking like, am I just going to continue to do like different odd jobs? I This is not me. I'm the type. I'm a planner. So I'd now lived a very spontaneous life, which is so out of my comfort zone. And I had already killed the story for me. I was like, yeah, this, we've moved on now. And then I thought, you know, I'd always thought one day I'll be a teacher. But like in my 50s, no, in my 20s. <laughs> like, like my last love of life, work life. No, in my 20s. I was like, nah, nah, I'm too young for that. <laughs> And then, again, I need to stress, comfortability is a really bad thing. So I was getting comfortable, it was a nice paycheck, you know. Again, I'm barely spending any money, I'm living at home. My parents are not the type to force me to pay rent or, of course, I'll do my things here and there. But I literally, my paycheck was my paycheck. Then that teaching thing kept nagging me. So my college mate, his mum worked in the department that I ended up even getting moved which was in the library. So we used to talk and she's like, oh, like, what are your interests? So she would talk to me. She's like, oh, I used to teach before. I said, oh, what was like that like? She's like, you know, we have a course that you can do for six weeks and it'll be free because you work in the college. I was like, okay. And it will give you an idea if it's for you. I was like, I mean, it's another qualification. No harm in doing it. So I told my mom, I was like, I think I'm going to try this. So I signed up and I was like, okay, cool. And then I would... I would go to like all these like different agencies just to see if I did want to teach, like do I volunteer to the different, I was like primary ain't for me, ain't for me bro. Ay. I went to a primary school and I was like, either I'm immature or I'm too mature, right? Because the things that they would say, I'd be like, who's your parent? Like, you know, but they're a child. And I just knew primary school ain't for me. I didn't like math. I'm not, I'm not into sciences, I don't mind English, but with primary school, you got to know everything. And then it would mean I would have to relearn again because how they were teaching at the time is not how I was taught. So I'd have to, I was like, yeah, it's too much hard work. I knew that I, of course, attended schools in UK, so I was not going to teach in a secondary school. Yeah, no, no way. So I was like, I think college environment is for me because... I have the option of uh, basically people who are in college, they've chosen to be there, right? So they've chosen their course, sixth form, their vocational course, they've chosen because this is their direction. So if they give me headache, you know, I can put them in their place because they, they chose to be here, right? But then I was still 50-50. And one day I didn't go to church and my mom comes and she's like, hey, I want to talk to you. I was like, oh, what's up? So there's a lady called Alexandria and she's like, oh, she, she came up to me and told me to give you this message she said the holy spirit told her to tell you you need to pursue teaching so stop worrying just go for it i was in the kitchen i remember that moment like it was yesterday makes me emotional i said okay and so i applied to do the so i applied to do that the degree a postgrad degree and then i worked out how much it would cost so i, I didn't want to get a student loan so I, I can fund it myself. And I followed what the Holy Spirit told me. Yeah, I just applied for the course right away. I was like, I mean, the Holy Spirit, I said it. <laughs> so clearly, it was just a confirmation that my thoughts were not my own. I was being led. I just, I was questioning it because I thought they were my own thoughts. Like now wasn't the time. And so I started pursuing teaching. I really enjoyed my course. I loved the women that I, I, we did it with. It was a, we were like maybe 10. And so how they do it, they, you go to a college, but it's linked to a university. So I didn't actually have to go to University of Greenwich in Southeast London, which is far. So I just had to go like 40 minutes away. But I graduated from University of Greenwich. So I did that for two years. But when you're doing that, you also have to do teaching and then... I started doing that in the college that I was working in. And then I went back to the college that I studied. I can't remember how I went back, but I applied. I think I found out that they are looking for 
someone to teach English to the adults because what had happened at the time, I guess England realized that there was a, a in terms of people's abilities, it was lower than, than it needed to be. And so anyone who did not have a great C or in minimum in English math, they had to go back. So now there was a lot more of those courses happening and they needed a lot more teachers to do it. So yeah, so I went back to Strait College and I saw my, I saw my uh, media teacher, Margaret, but it was so um, ironic. She didn't know who I was, so I had to tell her. But it was really interesting to go back to this college that I went to, but now as a teacher. So in 2013, my grandma got sick, my mum's mum. She had been sick and my parents were like, y'all need to go, otherwise you might not see her again. So we went, we went that December and then I still didn't feel the bug of coming to Kenya. I'd really, that, that key had been put in some Pandora box, buried, I don't know, at the Mariana Trench. And I had no desire. Then I met my boyfriend at the time, who is Kenyan, but also lived in England, but we met here. So we dated and then things didn't work out. And then the, the bug of should I try Kenya again started to thingy. And again, I'm like, mm, no, no. You know, like when you, when you hear that buzzing noise and you want to slap it. I was like, yeah, just ignore it, girl. Just, just keep going. You're doing your degree. You're paying for this. <laughs> You've just invested. How can you be moving? <laughs> and so I guess it never died. And then in 20, 2014, I came. I was supposed to come for a wedding, but unfortunately, the couple lost one of the parents. So it ended up being a funeral. So when I came the bug bit me and uh, I'm like, but I'm in a relationship. There's someone I'm supposed to marry, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, it didn't work out in the end. We broke up 2015 in January. And then I was like, when we finally officially broke up. So before we broke up, my mom was like, mm, I haven't seen so-and-so in this house. What's going on? Blah, did I stress my life? So I remember um, I think this is an important part of the story. We had not been talking. He wasn't picking up my calls. So we didn't talk for three weeks. And that's the worst thing he ever did because he gave me silence, which made me, again, I think my story is about silence, right? Gave me silence. It gave me room to think. And that trip for December, a lot changed without me realizing changed. My ex-boyfriend didn't do nothing wrong. He was a really good human being my love switched off and I don't know why I can't explain it when I went back I didn't feel the same and one of the things I thought in my a little bit about my relationships is I had dated before dating him I had dated someone who's very driven but didn't love me in my language so I was like no I think I need someone who loves me in my language I'm driven enough for the both of us so then my next relationship was that I was loved in the way I like to be loved, but it wasn't, he wasn't driven. So he was a dreamer, not a doer. And I'm a doer and a dreamer, right? I do both. And so I think coming, like in December, I started to think like, am I going to spend the rest of my life with this person? He said that he would do X, Y, Z. Mm, X, Y, Z hasn't been done. And so I was like, but I said, I'd do X, Y, Z. I've done X, Y, Z. So all my life, I'm going to be like holding this person and dragging them along. Mm. Yeah. So I guess when I landed, I always say we preempt things. And I landed that day. That day that I landed, it was a cold winter. I had left a hot Nairobi. Okay. I had left. I'd spent my New Year's somewhere in like the Maasai land, so it's so hot, right? I'd left like 31 degrees and I'm landing to four degrees. My ears were frozen. And I remember saying, this has to be my last winter in my heart. And then of course, excited, oh yeah, I haven't seen my boyfriend. But it wasn't the same and I couldn't explain it. Anyway, when I saw him, I was like, yeah, I don't know what's happened. So we had a, a mini argument. I guess I, I gave him my truths, not packaged in the right way. Um, I, I'm, I think I'm mature enough to say, yeah, I could have packaged them better and I can understand why he didn't want to talk to me. So we didn't end up speaking for three weeks. He wasn't picking up my call. I was like, oh, cool. No worries. So in that three weeks, I then now really started to think if we're supposed to get married this year and that's the kind of conversations we're having, 
and I do introductions with parents. Mm. If we're fighting and you're cutting me off, what are you going to do when we live together? You know, those questions I had to ask. Then I was like, what do I want? What does Angela want for herself? And I think maybe this is when I asked myself, what does the future look? I think I never, I'd never asked that about, I just like lived. So I was like, mm, maybe, maybe we should try Kenya again. Then I, I just was like, mm, no, ignore it. You know, ignore it. It's going to work out. <laughs> and so when my mom was like, mm, we haven't seen so-and-so here in a while. And I was like, cool. So I remember one day I was like, I want to revive my jewelry making. Remember I said in Southend, yeah. So I got in the car, I drove to a shop in Staines where they sell like jewelry stuff. So I went and bought loads and then I was driving back. Then I said, no, actually, I'm going to go to so-and-so and get my stuff. I'm done. Yeah. So I just drove. I packed my car. It's like, okay, we'll knock the door. Let's not be rude <laughs> with using my key. If he doesn't, then I, and he's not home, perfect. I could just get my stuff, send a text later. <laughs> so he lived in a, an apartment where you can uh, swipe a hop, then you get through. But then if they've locked their door on the inside with a latch, even if I can't, still can't open. So I managed to get through, get to the, to open. I'm knocking. I'm like, are you here? He's not answering. So I'm like, oh, it's not, must not be. I open, then they latch, right? So I'm like, yo, please open the door. I just want to come and get my stuff. When I saw him, I was like, yeah, definitely. It's over. It is. I said, oh, I'm not here for long. I just wanted to come and get my stuff. And unfortunately, I just want to tell you, like, this is not, like, working out. And uh, I think it's time for us to go our separate ways. And just thank you for, like, a beautiful experience. I wasn't prepared for how he would react. I was like, eh, this wasn't in my script. <laughs> so, I mean, I let him voice how he felt. Uh, he was emotional about it. I said, I get it. It's going to take you some time to process what I'm saying. My door is not closed. You can contact me when you're ready, when you've processed and you want to talk about it properly. But for now, we do need to go our separate ways. And he's like, you always knew where I was at. I said, I did. The problem here is not you. It's actually me. There's nothing wrong with this. I did the, it's not you, it's me. <laughs> I never thought I would use those words. But genuinely, it wasn't him, it was me. He was always honest about where he is in his position in life and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, yeah, you know, I could do it for the both of us. But Leo realized, actually, I need, I need balance. And so yeah, I packed my stuff, got in the car, and I felt like a bird released from a cage and I knew I'd made the right decision no matter how difficult it was and I was like well let's just keep going we go home and we tell our parents so my dad was like oh god why does it have to be dad first so I explained to him he said do you want me to talk to him I said he said I said no I said I didn't you know like we didn't I didn't involve you when I was in love I don't feel like it's fair I should involve you when I'm falling out of it and so he's like no I get it there had been some things why he knew also why I was he was like, I respect that. And if you're happy, then you're my daughter and that's all that matters. Then I talked to my mom. And then my mom and my sister, my mom was in bed and my sister was in bed with her. And my mom asked me, so what next? I had not decided, but at that moment, my mind knew before, I guess, my heart knew, or is it my heart knew before? I'm not sure which came first. But I said to her, I think it's time for me to try Kenya. So let's not do the mortgage stuff. Let me finish my degree. Let me graduate. Let me save up this year. I'll test it out. If it doesn't work out, I can finally close that door and move back and live in England and we get on with it. And so 2015 became about like planning. I came in July and August and I we we I tried out like what it's like to live here for a long time. I knew I didn't want to work for someone. I had been reviving my jewelry love. So I was like, um, and I, I didn't mention it earlier, but when I used to visit Kenya, I used to use Facebook, buy jewelry, and then say, I'm coming with this jewelry, who's booking what? So I'd make my ticket back. So most people knew me for jewelry, and my jewelry was called Malkia Jewels. So most people already knew me, so it wasn't like a new transition. So I was just going to just continue that, only now I was also making it. So yeah, so then I I started like making the plan, came for two months. I was like, yeah, 
I can do this. Went back home, uh, my other home being England, sorry. And my mum was like, oh, yeah, so let's have lunch. I was like, cool. So she's like, so when are you moving? I was like, mm, maybe, maybe I should try this next year. Maybe I'm like, you know, I take, I'm going too fast. She's like, but you've made all this like progress, figured out what you could do, etc." you'll have to start all over again and make those networks again. And like you keep, but anyway, it's your life. You got to do what you got to do. But I personally think you need to try it. I say, yeah, 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 whatever. So I went back to work and I remember I'd been there for three weeks and I worked with a group of women. I want to say that they were older than me. And in that, you know, like 10 years to retirement, that kind of age, I don't know, we're having a meeting. They're all like, bickering and not bickering per se but just like complaining I was like mm, I don't know I've got more than just being here just because it's a job I think it's time to just pursue what the fire under their belly and make it come out and I went home and I booked my ticket a one-way ticket and my mom came I said I'm going to Kenya in, in December 10th December 10th or 11th I think is when I moved and she's like, finally. And I was like, okay, now I can tell dad. And my dad, we had dinner. And for him, me and him, I was like, he's going to ask me so many questions. I was like, oh, fantastic. Ah, okay. So what we'll do, we are uh, so in our uh, building, our house, I'll make sure that we build a, a place for you as well. So by December, we'll be ready. So yeah, you've always wanted to go to Kenya. It's good. That's, I was like, what? This is... This is going the complete, I was expecting loads of questions. And so they, yeah, so they made sure I had a place to stay so I don't have like rent to worry about. So I can just start from the ground. And so, yeah, so when I was moving in December, I didn't want anyone to know I was moving. So my, only my family and yeah, my mom, my dad, my sister, the only ones who knew I was moving. And so I carried an air mattress with me. <laughs> the house was still reeking of pain how I lived there for like the first week and so my and everyone's like oh when are you going back I'm like I've just got here let me enjoy the relax and so like in January and I wasn't going I was like oh yeah I moved back they're like how I said yeah I moved with my my air mattress and I lived in my air mattress for three months until like everything that I had bought came and then I of course started to buy some things locally and yeah and I've been here it'll be eight years in December I guess, like I said, I'm dramatic. I just knew that I, I'd been working since the age of 16. And that's my choice. It's nothing to do with my parents. It's my choice. And I was 29 at the time. I just knew I can't work for someone else. I want to know what it's like to work for myself. Be my own boss. They lie to you, kids. They lie to you. If you can work for someone else, please do. <laughs> Take it from an entrepreneur. Is <laughs> <Here's> the ghetto. <laughs> So, um, so yeah, I was like, yeah, I want to be my own best lady, you know, my own hours, dictate my own hours. I lived a life where Monday was my off day, you know, I was like, I'm not having no blue Mondays ever again. So I just knew I was going to do jewelry, but I think I missed one part of the story is through like my teaching, I used to run a mentorship program for girls in Kenya in SLA. Um, and I loved it. And those girls when to become amazing people and still are amazing people and they're doing well uh, with their lives. I loved what I did for them and I thought imagine if I can do it for someone who doesn't have access to the opportunities that me and these girls have had and what better than charity begins at home. So I remember like 2011 Sheryl Sandberg was being interviewed by Oprah. She has a book called Lean In. She was talking about she was preparing the book and how she was teaching women like to stop going into life, planning marriage, planning, taking time off. I was that girl that she's talking about. And I was like, I love what she's doing for women. Who's doing it for girls? I was like, I think that's my calling. And that's how I started the mentorship program. So when I was moving, my intention was to start like a program for girls where I prepare them for life outside of education and give them their life skills because that's also an element I was doing within my teaching. And about, like I said, I, in my beginning of my story, my background here is media. So I, I didn't study, I didn't finish, I don't have any qualifications from Kenya. So I don't know what it's like to be in the educational system. I don't know anyone. I didn't know. There's no teacher in my family. There's no, there's no another Uncle Bernard. <laughs> 
So there's like no one. So anyway, I've made some contacts, met some people, but I wasn't feeling encouraged about it or enthusiastic. I was like, mm, this one's going to be a bit difficult to start. Let me just do the jewelry. So I would do like set, set up markets like in Yaya Center, they, they do that. But that thing for the girls like never left me. So fast forward to I think being here two years in, 2017, I'd say like two years around that. I found out about a mentorship program and uh, the organization Shofko. So they have a girls school. And so I found out about it. I was like, oh, perfect. At least I can mentor. And so I started doing that mentorship program. And then at the time, I used to work for online writing website. So I used to write about different established Kenyans. So when I was doing the mentor, I was like, this guy, no, how does no one know who Kennedy Odede is Kenya? They know outside, everyone knows who he is. But in our country, once celebrating what he is achieving. So I asked the lady who does the mentorship, I was like, do you think you'd be willing for me to write an article about him? So, yeah, so I met him, interviewed him. We got on really well. And then he's like, so what do you do outside of this? And he was like, you know, I think you're the one I've been looking for. I'm like, for what? He's like, there's this position. I think you're it. And I was like, lol, you know? Yeah, okay, cool. No worries. Here's my email. You can send it to me. And then he comes back. Like, we'd finish. He's like, all right, I'll send you the article. Thank you so much. And he comes back. He's like, I, I was on the phone. So he's like, can I talk to you? I said, oh. so I hung up. It's like, my wife is on the phone. I told her about you. So I speak to uh, Jessica. She's like, oh, Kennedy has told me that he's found the person who can do. I was like, has he now? <laughs> I was like, okay, you know what? Instead of explaining over the phone, just send me like what the JD is or what you're looking for and then I can see. And so I went from mentoring for Shofko to then in the end working for them. But I really valued my experience with them because it really helped me understand the behind the scenes of running an organization, especially in an informal settlement. And what he's achieved and continues to achieve is amazing. Yeah, so now I knew how they were doing the mentorship program. So now I had started to understand what does it take, what have you. So when my period at Shofko ended, I now was back to mm, what next? And Mo used to be my customer for my jewelry and one time Mo and I met we met with our mutual friend we're going through stuff we're going through transitions in life and we really had a nice girl chat and we're like oh imagine if we could extend this for other women or girls should we start something and so it was around just close to the end of the year of 2018 yeah, I think, yeah, yeah, 2018, end of 2018. And then I was going to go away. I went to Mombasa for like a month. Then uh, I was like, let's review this when I come back. The other person dropped out. So it was just us. We we said, we want to continue. I hope you're okay because we want to continue. She gave us her, her blessings. And so we started the conversation of what could we do? Like, so I used my, I had a more, my social media because I also had YouTube and all that. So I have more followers in quotes so um, I asked in my stories like would you guys be willing to attend a vision board party blah 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 because it's towards the beginning of the year and I got some yeses and then in enters Angela into my life story she's like oh I really like this oh when is it oh, tell me about it. I said well we're actually just thinking about doing it if you want to meet me and my friend Mo and you can be part of I was trying to create this. So we kind of went back and forth. And then in the end, we didn't even do a vision board party, but we did a small gathering of women with, I don't even know what to call it, but like it was get to know each other, but with intention, safe space for opening up. We had an anonymous box where people could write things that they are struggling with and get advice without anyone knowing who their advice is for. So, and then created like different groups where we had curated how they will have these conversations. And so it was like, oh, after that, we were, I think, gosh, maybe because we each invited five people. So at the very most, maybe 15, 19, something like that, one many. And we did it at Mo's backyard where she used to live before. And it was like, oh, this is nice. So we reviewed, we're like, this is so nice. So that was April, 2019. We're like, okay, there's hope. Yeah, we can curate this. So then May 2019, uh, for those who are not familiar, May 28th is Menstrual Hygiene Day. So Mo had like some heels that 
she wanted to get rid of or give to her cousins, but they're not the same size. So she's, she'd been toying with this idea of like, because she used to volunteer for, to support street kids and like the challenges around, of course, food, drugs and all of that. But also for those who experience in menstruation, the challenges that they experience, you know, girls use ash, you know, they, they just use very bad alternatives. And so she's like, imagine if we could give proper pads to these people. So she's like, I have some heels. Do you guys have some heels? What if we got our heels and then we put it out there that you can have my heels, but give me pads as an exchange. And so we formed this idea, May 10th, we had a meeting. Then we sent out a message on WhatsApp, May 13th, that we want to uh, help us get pads for these three organizations. That's how Sister Speaks and Heels for Pads became sisters as organizations, in a sense. So I think, number one, I think when I now think about my journey, I guess I'm living, first I'll say like living in UK has taught me to be open-minded, has taught me not to look into things with titles, like I'm a director of things, just be who you are, like strip away all that stuff. All of that doesn't matter. You know, in UK, you can go to a street. There are certain streets. Maybe you're living next to a millionaire, but you'll never know because the houses look the same. So stripping away that really helped me survive selling at Yaya Center, my jewelry. A girl from UK who people would say should be in a fancy office because she speaks like I do. The teaching, I was like, why did I do a degree? Study work for like two four years or so move now I'm not using my degree but Hills for Pads has the element for menstrual health education I was like put my degree to use create the curriculum do the teaching and so that's why I did the teaching that's why God called me to do the teaching I'm sure maybe there's more teaching for me to do but yeah that's why that time with the like jewelry and the writing and being alone has made me survive those times especially like during COVID not knowing what the next steps but allowing myself to figure out what self-development is happening. My time at Shofko was so important because the role that I was playing at Shofko I was at a high position so I knew Donna language which kind of companies to look for that can give funding, how to create programs. When you do create programs, the kind of roles you need to think about, it has really helped, especially with Hills for Pads, with like being part of markets has really helped with the events ideas for Sister Speaks. In terms of like my media, I was like, so why do I do a degree that I'm not using? So living here, people used to keep saying, oh, you have a great voice, say something about it. I'm like, I've tried. I wasn't getting any opportunities in radio. I, I got rejected a lot. And so I was like, oh, maybe I'm not supposed to use my voice, right? But fast forward later through Sister Speaks and trying to find our voice during COVID, we really focused on developing our digital strength. So pushing the narratives for women. So as a result, we had like an online radio show we did for a year, which then led us to Capital's door where they wanted to partner with us for our podcast, Overreact. And I get to use my voice. I've been more intentional about using my voice. I do other gigs around that. All these like things that you sometimes feel you've done them, then you've dropped them. But actually, they you might still use them later. It might not be next year. It might be five years from now. But like they're all, you know, they're all helping. The work that I've done with the girls in Slough with the mentorship program, you know, helps me know how to communicate to the girls that we meet in different parts of the country. Uh, like in December, we'll be going to Webuye as part of a tournament called Waziri Super Cup where they have like the rugby, football, basketball. So as part of the tournament, they like to do extended stuff to help the community. So like a feeding program, supporting girls with sanitary. So Salim Waziri approached us as we've been trying to figure out how we can work together. And so he was saying that this is his fourth tournament if we can partner. And so, you know, it will be our first time in Bogoma County. Uh, we are 17th county, yeah, which is exciting. And we want to support 1,500 girls. It'll be my first time doing something 
thankless, I guess, for my birthday, because my birthday is December 27th, like I said earlier. I want to celebrate my birthday in a different way and supporting those girls with making sure that they each get like a dignity kit that has pads, soap, underwear, and they can start like their first year of uh, the next year of school with dignity um so you can support by if you're locally you can send i guess lower 70 bob because that's what it can buy but ideally if you can send 800 to at least 800 to a thousand at least allow us to cover a dignity kit which will ideally we want to ensure the girls get reusable pads take into mind the economy and how things are we might not get to give them reusable pads, but that's our ideal goal because it lasts them for two years. And so usually it would have the reusable pads, it would have soap, it would have underwear and a waterproof bag and we would educate them on how to use it. So that's our goal. And to ensure to achieve that, we need to have, we're targeting to raise 1.5 on time before we go December 26th. So we'll be there December 26th to December 31st but we'll do majority of our distribution between 27th to at least about the 30th and then enjoy what the tournament can offer so you can send money to our pay bill 247 247 account number 530300 or if you are local I mean not local you can go to GoFundMe and if you type hills for pads so it's hills number four pads initiative you can donate money and it can help us achieve because Beyond that, we also have projects where we put pad dispensers in schools and our goal is to support 50,000 girls in five years. We turn five next year for both organizations who want to do more. But also like, you know, you can come to our events. Uh, right now we have an event called Hills Connect and which is very similar to what we wanted to do initially with Mo and what we were doing before where we bring, curate, create safe spaces for women to come not only just listen to maybe a speaker that we have, but also come out of there forming impactful, meaningful networks. You know, we create activities where women can connect and be part of an activity where they are forced to form and talk to each other and come out there forming a connection. And it's been going on. We now got, we're going to finish at the end of November for 2023, but we'll be back again next year. We've done 14. It's been a good experience. We've proved to ourselves that we can do it. So next year we want to do bigger, better, louder and create more opportunities for women uh, so we can bridge the gap when it comes to gender equality. So I'd like to end with sharing not a life mantra, but a card that I found. I've, my mom gave me a card when I decided I was going to relocate to Kenya the second time. <laughs> And she sent me this and I'm going to read it. She says, Angela Lush, congrats on your new business. I'm really pleased for you. Our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness that most frighten us. We ask ourselves, who am I to be brilliant, gorgeous, talented, fabulous? Actually, who are you not to be? You're a child of God. You're playing small, doesn't serve the world. There's nothing enlightened about shrinking so that other people wouldn't feel insecure around you. We are all meant to shine as children do. We were born to make manifest the glory of God that is within us. It is not just in some of us, it is in everyone. And as we let our own light shine, we unconsciously give other people permission to do the same. As we are liberated from our own fear, our presence automatically liberates others and i hope my story will liberate you who's listening catch more african stories in the next episode of legally clueless Ooh, i hope you enjoyed part one and part two of angela's story as much as i did i feel like the number one takeaway is new beginnings will always uncover new depths to your skill and your character so don't be afraid of them they will just peel off layers of you and expand you they're actually a really good thing even when they can be a bit painful so open your heart and open your mind to new beginnings so we've also put a link to heels for pad in the show notes please support their program so that they can help all of the girls in bungoma this December to support if you're in Kenya just use the pay bill 247247 247. account is 530300 
If you're not in Kenya, go fund me, search Heels for Pad Initiative, but we'll put all of that information in the show notes for you. Even if you can't donate, it doesn't hurt for you to share the word. We've also put links to Sister Speak platforms and Angela's platforms so you can learn more on their events and they also have a podcast as well. If you want to share your story, we have correspondence now. <laughs> when I'm excited, I sing. So we will now be recording stories all year round. So make sure you fill out our story seller form and then we'll get back to you. It doesn't matter where in the world you are. You're African. You have a story. We want to hear it. We will either come to you. We record stories virtually as well. So talk to us. Okay. The link to the storyteller form is in the show notes. If you're in Kenya, catch us on Trace Radio. Well, that's really across East Africa. Just go to traceradio.co.ke to stream. We're there Mondays at one, Mondays and Wednesdays at 1 p.m. and 11 p.m. Fridays at 1 p.m. I'm going to leave you with something for you if you're facing imposter syndrome, which we all experience from time to time. Brian Babu, who is a top fashion stylist here in Kenya, shared how he navigated that on our video series, which you can watch on YouTube. And I'm going to leave you with his very hilarious but deep thoughts on imposter syndrome and how they manifested in his life. And that's how like, I actually started working as a stylist. So in the beginning, I was like, these people are speaking such good English. Not that my English is bad, but I don't know if I can be these people. Then I live in Iceland. These people live in this other side of Uhuru Highway. Like, maybe I'm just even joking here, man. But also I was aspirational. So as much as I doubted, I was like, but no, they need to know that you can do this thing. So I was very aspirational. So I was like, even me, I want to even move to the side of Uhuru Highway. And I remember at some point one day when we were at a shoot and someone was like, oh, so did you go to Resinga school? I'm like... <laughs> It's like, oh wow. And it's so funny because today someone asked me, do you live the, fa the, fa the, the initial parts of your life in Europe? I was like, <laughs> Europe? <laughs> Maybe in the pages of the magazine. <laughs> or are you talking about United Kisumu? <laughs> That's it for this episode of Legally Clueless. You can share this podcast with your friends. You can keep it for yourself. I'm not judging. Just make sure you're here next week for the next episode.